0: Thank you for downloading and welcome to Take Orally, the emergency medicine podcast from the University of Nottingham, recorded at Dream QMC. In this episode, we'll be discussing Collapse, Query, Cause. As ever, all information mentioned is correct at the time of recording, and any and all guidelines mentioned are correct for Nottingham University Hospital's NHS Trust. Other trust guidelines may vary. Hello, my name's Jamie, I'm one of the teaching fellows in emergency medicine.
1: Hello, I'm uh, Dominic, one of the ED AMPs, and also a teaching fellow...
0: Uh, So, in this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, Collapse Query Cause. Uh, Now, before we go any further, a disclaimer. Collapse Query Cause is uh, not a diagnosis. Uh, It is a term that's used quite a lot in uh, medicine, perhaps incorrectly. Uh, But for the purposes of this podcast, we're meaning it to um, cover a transient loss of consciousness uh, of a, how a patient might present in the emergency department or to uh, an acute medical receiving unit. Um, transient loss of consciousness, different to syncope, so before we go any further Dom, um, should just talk a bit about what syncope is? As, as I think those terms can get sometimes a bit mixed up.
1: Uh, definitely. Um, so, as you've alluded to, collapse crew causes more of a umbrella term to capture many a presentation, um, whereas the true definition of syncope is um, more physiological. Uh, It's to do with a temporary loss of your blood pressure leading you to a collapse. Um, So to kind of further explain that um, you might have uh, syncope uh, which presents with uh, loss of consciousness uh, but not every loss of consciousness is related to uh, a cause. Okay.
0: So I think, uh, I mean, you know, you've worked in the emergency department longer than I have, um, but I think, um, you know, collapse query cause, loss of consciousness, an incredibly common presentation involving every age group with a whole myriad of causes, some much, much more serious than others.
1: Yeah, I think it's one of those... Uh, those classical any terms, w- which can lull you into a bit of a false sense of security, mm. um, because um, more often than not, it is a very benign cause that doesn't need to be uh, investigated further or cause for admission. Um, but actually, if you don't go about it in the right way, considering the more sinister causes, then you're going to come unstuck and you're going to miss one of the more bigger differentials mm. um, under this umbrella term really mm.
0: so I think it's, it's important to uh, I suppose have a framework in mind much as you would do with I suppose with the an acute abdomen or with chest pain to think these are, the, are my more serious differentials uh, all the way down to the things of this the things that we could get this patient home with
1: yeah certainly I think um, many uh, approaches within emergency department practices, let's rule out the more sinister, the worst-case scenario uh, and then once we've done all that we're left with the more benign Uh, and sometimes the the way that you're able to rule them out is by just gaining that appropriate history Mm -hmm. Um, and once you've got um, a full history that's going to lead you to rule out a lot of the more sinister causes Mm -hmm. um, without really having to go uh, any more invasive procedures um, and certainly my approach would be to, to consider the more significant and serious um, differentials uh, and then uh, your risk stratifying mm. uh, appropriately um, into hospital for further investigations and also managing to, to sift out the, the more benign um, patients that you can reassure with a little bit of advice and safety netting, they can they can leave safely, mm-hmm. um, the, from from the ED rather than needing any further prolonged stays.
0: Okay, um, so f- by uh, way of background, we're using uh, the nice guidelines um here to help guide our tool the uh, the transient loss of consciousness and over sixteen's guidelines. Uh, the code is CG one hundred and nine. We'll be putting that on. Uh, the Twitter and Facebook pages. We're also using our our own uh, department um, initial assessment tool, the IAT that we have, um, for uh, collapse slash fall um, uh, that, that we use in the department uh, to help uh, assess and triage patients who present as a classical cause. So i suppose dom you know you're on the shop floor you your next patient that you've clicked on is, is has been triaged as as a collapsed query cause um you know as you're as you're on the way to see the patient what's what's going through your mind what's what sort of framework are you going to to go with
1: so as I said before it's um it's very important to get that that full history um and obviously it might be that for whatever reason your patient can't give you that full history so Uh, being able to get collateral information is very important, be that from uh, pre-hospital trained professionals so the ambulance service, witnesses and the like, Mm. care homes, you know whoever and wherever uh, the the patient was but ultimately you're you're taking the structure of um, what was the patient doing and how were they like before the event, what was happening during the collapse and the associated event uh, and then the recovery phase and what happened afterwards uh, mm-hmm. trying to clarify all the details in each of those sections so it's like a, a kind of a, a stepwise approach I suppose you could you mm-hmm. could say and if you uh, covering all of those areas um, and uh, kind of having that um, that open mind uh, and having that full inquisition in each of those mm-hmm. uh, areas then you're going to come up with the, the right information um, and you also kind of need to be guided by um, the, the red flag. So if you're not getting your information via, kind of the, the open question means you need to kind of focus down mm. uh, and get and get the red flag uh, situations um, clear in your mind, uh, and, and they can often uh, help you as a prompt to guide some of your mm. questions, um, and I know we're gonna kind of come on to those mm. um, shortly. Um, but once you kind of do the, the the before, during, after, that sets you up nicely to to be able to kind of uncover some of the nuances in in what's happened, try and differentiate, and start narrowing down your differentials.
0: Mm. Uh and suppose yeah, I mean that's the same framework that uh, we discussed with Stephen in the um in the uh, seizure podcast. Uh, that before, during, and after, and. And wherever at all possible, um, getting a reliable collateral witness history as well.
1: Yeah, certainly, and I, I think um, seizure is obviously one of the differentials in in, mm. a, in a collapse patient, um, and it's important to to be able to identify those and differentiate those from from other types of collapse. Um, but the, the collateral history is, is very important because so often patients will surmise as to what's happened mm. and they think this has happened and they think this is what's happened, but actually when you drill down and, and further question, um, th- these are just kind of best guesses rather mm. than actually a true reflection of what's mm. happened um, and so trying to find other avenues of, um, of being able to corroborate such events is, is mm. uh, as I said, is key.
0: Mm. I mean the, the, the NICE guidelines in particular um, lists uh, some Im- important bits to, um, to get in your history so they, they mentioned the, the circumstances of the event, uh, their posture, um, any prodromal symptoms they felt beforehand so sweating, feeling warm or hot, uh, how they looked, uh, so their appearance, were their eyes open, shut what was their colour, any pallor, um, any presence or absence of moving so I suppose that's pointing there isn't it, to a seizure, the limb jerking uh, as well as tongue biting as well, um, any injuries as well. We mustn't forget about that, and, and we'll talk a bit more about that as well. Uh, the duration of the event, um, any confusion after recovery, uh, and then um, any weakness as well. So I mean, uh, I suppose there's all things we can talk about in a bit. But it's it's a very thorough history, isn't it? And 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 to be, I suppose, suspicious that is what I'm hearing and seeing, matching up perhaps with with what the patient's telling you, bearing in mind patients may say anything to get out of hospital sometimes.
1: Yeah, definitely. And um, patients always really attend with their own agenda. Mm. Um, And you have to be wary of of those types of patients because uh, depending on what your ultimate diagnosis will be, the wider implications of that can be very significant to Mm. the patient, to their employment, to their family life. Mm. Um, And so... Being able to say with certainty exactly what has gone off, um, and what your recommendations uh, following, um, you know, your assessment of the patient, um, you know, you can't underestimate that impact, uh, and so that's why there is such a um, thorough process that you have to go through, and that's why um, I would suggest that the nice guidelines have been developed to ensure that the standardisation. Amongst uh, everybody mm. who, who's assessing these types of patients, um, because if you think, uh, such as uh, the implications of, um, so professional drivers who've had such mm. events, then then uh, those those implications can be um, significant, mm. um, and mm. it might be that you know if you identify uh, patients um, through your history as professional drivers, then then you know. Uh, it's, it's even more important that you get to the, to the right outcome for, mm. for those reasons that I've, I've stated.
0: Mm. And I think sometimes, I mean, it can be quite common to, to get that discrepancy, so a patient will say, oh, I remembered the whole thing, and then uh, the um, relatives with them going, oh, no, mum, you, you were blacked out completely, and, and uh, I think a, a very, uh, one that comes straight to my head, a very important feature to think about is uh, pattern of injury. So um, a patient who states they remember the whole thing and yet uh, has only facial injuries, hasn't put their, there's no hand injuries, they haven't put their hands out, indicates um, a blackout, doesn't it? Before they hit the floor, they didn't try and save themselves.
1: Yeah, so it's that that, that sort of feature and any defense um, mechanisms. Uh, uh, And again, it's kind of uh, releasing your inner Sherlock. uh, I'm a big fan of Sherlock does everything that the patient's telling you match up with, yeah. the investigations that you perform, the examination that you've got, the history that you've got from everybody else um, and and as I said r- previously sometimes the patients are, are doing their best guess and, and they, they want to be able to give you an answer mm-hmm. uh, and so they come up with what they, they think that answer should be rather right. than the actual occurrence of events so again witnesses Mm-hmm. Um, collateral history mm-hmm. should form part of that inquiry, part of that um, background check, um, and and part of your f- your full assessment.
0: Mm-hmm. I suppose then. Um. Also important is uh, you know, as part of your thorough history as well, medications the patients on so certainly our, our elderly patients with polypharmacy on a great many uh. Uh, blood pressure medications in particular uh, are prone uh, can be prone to such uh, um, collapses can't they
1: certainly and um, we often um, will request assistance from our healthcare of the older person colleagues um, in assessing more of the older patients on multiple medications um, assistance from uh, pharmacy colleagues to, to help perhaps kind of get get through uh, the, the large amount of uh, medicines there and see, see if anything can be done um, and it's also important to remember how just with, with polypharmacy it's not just the, the contribution that multiple medicines make but changes in doses, new mm. medicines, over the counter things, um, things that we take for granted that are going to come to the forefront of a, of a medicines history but are often need to be um, overtly inquired about to, to, to get to the bottom of. Um, Know, a, a stash of uh, medications in a, in, a, in a drug cupboard that actually not the patients, it's the patient's husband mm. and uncle <laughs> and they decided to take those off their own back for some, uh, some symptoms that they'd recently developed. Mm. And it could be just that uh, that, that was uh, the wrong medicine at the wrong time compared to, the, to their own list of medicines that they're on. Mm.
0: I suppose that's a that's at one uh, extreme of, of the age as well, and, and maybe in our in our younger people we, we, we see a, a lot of um, you know student age group of, of patients coming in uh, with collapses. Um, f- from I think uh, asking about you know family history of collapses, any family history of cardiac events, uh, it's crucial at that point in, in this age group, isn't
1: it? Absolutely, yeah, and certainly the the recent press um, for sudden adult deaths mm-hmm. um, and certainly the high-profile um, sports personalities mm-hmm. that have um, undergone um, investigations for for, such cardiac causes and uh, and the implications that's had on their uh, professional careers has helped raise this as a bit of an issue um, and certainly um, heightened uh, not only the public's awareness but, but obviously professionals awareness into mm-hmm. Actually, the the, the mm. potential causes of mm. young person collapses, mm. um, and certainly when we're talking about um, collapses, um, that occur during exertion, mm. um, more specifically, uh, sports, but but not isolated to sports, um, then then you have to have that that high suspicion, uh, erring on the side of caution and, and, and going to mm. the more. Um, prudent lens of investigation and consultation with senior colleagues mm. um, prior to considering discharge um, I, would, I would highly uh, highly recommend with the with younger generation
0: mm. and I, I suppose being very focused isn't it so you know you ask a 20 year old any family history in the family well yes my, my grandfather of 80 has had a heart attack no I mean you know anybody of your age group sudden cardiac death you know, uh, like you said, the, the young sport. You know, arrhythmias, anything like that. It's being very focused about this. Is clearly what I'm trying to get out of you, in yeah. the history. Yeah,
1: um, kind of re- removing any ambiguity with mm. w- with what you're, you're questioning about and uh, and how you go about it is certainly essential, um, and ensuring that uh, that you get the right answers to your mm. specific questions and the specific kind of red flag presentations mm. uh, and risk factors um, are, are essential.
0: So um, I suppose those, those are the sort of questions and and, and the way we're going to um, uh, quiz our patients. So then it's sort of, you know moving on to sort of the investigations uh, and things that, that we can uh, get from our patient. Um, what do you think were the, were the key investigations to do for a, for a patient presenting with collapse?
1: Well, to a man, if you ask me what investigation I wanted over any other, it's gonna be um, a ECG. Mm. Um. So one in this day and age, it's a it's an investigation that's uh, very, very readily available. Um, On it's the wards, in any yeah, wherever you are. Yeah. yeah. Uh, primary care. Ma- mm. Most uh, GP surgeries will have the ability to um, take uh, an ECG uh, and have personnel there that can interpret that. Um, and it's it's a commonplace investigation that. Um, that gives you quick results and shouldn't be underestimated as, as to the, the, the implications that this can have, not only from a from a normal ECG uh, but also to, to the ones that you find to be abnormal. Um, know with with a v- variety of different abnormalities that you can find uh, and the implications that that will have in the presentation and whether you can mm. tie the two together mm. whether you have incidental findings mm. um, whether you expect to see it normal and it's grossly abnormal you know these are all gonna kind of uh, prompt questions and, and see if you can have that clinical correlation with it with the patient that's sat in front of you mm. um, more often than not these people have, have recovered Um mm. And uh, 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 generally sit before you um, as a well patient, which makes it even more difficult mm. to, to identify those that are um, of significant risk, um, and and certainly shouldn't be discharged. Uh, so it's uh, it's above all if uh, if you only had uh, the ability to get one investigation, that would be it. And mm. um, that's not to say there are not Others, aren't o- others uh, and and certainly. Um, depending on what's uh, identified in your history uh, and what the uh, result of your ECG is that's going to guide further your investigations.
0: Mm. Uh, and I just like uh, I mentioned in the uh, seizure podcast it's not just a case of when you're looking at that ECG and thinking well there's uh, no ST elevation or anything like that it, it, it's uh, much more in-depth than that you're Looking at all the parameters, what's the PR interval like? Is there any heart block? Uh, is there a bundle branch block? What's the QTC? Is that short? Is it long? It's you know you're really looking at it, aren't you, for any sign of abnormality?
1: Yeah, and again, it, you can be lulled into the false sense of security of the patient that's in front of you, sat up unwell, mm. uh, and well, uh, and and their vital signs are within normal limits. Mm. And there's, a, there's a you know a plausible story to their presentation. Um, but if you don't kind of cross your T's and dot your I's, again, you're going to come unstuck um, and it, it is going through in depth. You know, what is that PR interval?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, is this the first ECG that I've had? Can you compare whatever's uh, norm- uh, happened previously? Um, are there any changes, be that, that they've developed a first degree block and that's a new thing? Mm-hmm. Um, whether the PR interval has changed, whether the QTC intervals changed and is that inaccurate can you um, you know is it uh, uh, you know just going to put it down to rate related Mm -hmm. changes Um, can you explain on that ECG um, exactly what what's happening and Mm -hmm. correlate that to the presentation Mm -hmm. can you explain it out via kind of other past medical histories? but as as we've said you know often um, you're faced with a with a normally fit and well young person um and that can catch you out but you certainly do need to be very thorough in your assessment of that ecg mm. and make sure you're covering all of the the p- potential changes not looking for a gross mm. st mm. change or a t wave inversion that are, mm. that that you can often easily identify mm. um it's some of the more subtle changes that are n- mm. not as commonly explored um, or an initial presentation that um, that, that you're going to get caught out by
0: so I mean we, we could almost um, do a, a podcast purely on the ecG changes associated with class crew course so we're not going to focus uh, much more on those um, in particular, I think the, the the two off the top of my head, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, Wolf-Parkinson-White syndrome, Brugada syndrome. These are these very dramatic things that, that, that some um, some of the listeners may have, have already come across. Um, we'll put um, links to, to uh, about those on, on the Twitter and Facebook pages. Um, for all these ECG things, I always recommend Life in the Fast Lane. I think this is probably a resource you've used as well. Um, gives great examples of, of all these common um, presentations and, and common um Cardiac syndromes. Um, I suppose it's also important to remember that whatever caused the collapse could be transient, and so you could be faced with a normal sinus rhythm that that looks absolutely normal as well. And to keep that in mind, um, I suppose you know these are all sorts of the cardiac causes uh, of collapse. Is there anything else, don that you can think of that that would point towards a cardiac cause of a collapse?
1: Um, often you will. Uh, have onset is, is really sudden mm-hmm. uh, and your recovery uh, is often quick as well mm-hmm. um, and if you uh, don't have any episodes or, or witnessed events of seizure, mm-hmm. um, if you haven't got a prodrome um, um, prior to the event um, and you have a sudden collapse and a quick recovery, then ultimately that's, uh, that's a cardiac collapse until proven mm. otherwise, even with a normal ECG, mm. I'd certainly be having a, a, a very high level of suspicion that mm. um, further investigation is warranted. Mm. Um, and then the risks of whether that investigation happens as an inpatient or as an outpatient um, need to be weighed up in the fuller picture, mm. and certainly to be made in conjunction with um, more senior clinicians. Mm. Um, but uh, but. Those features uh, are commonly found in the, in the more cardiac mediated collapses.
0: I was well. Suddenly, I woke up on the floor. Correct. Uh, I think that you know, actually, is a bit more suspicious than uh, somebody with uh, with a bit of a prodrome. And and again, I think you know, you're, you're completely right. Get senior involvement. You know, you're looking at the ECG. You're not sure yourself. Get senior. Get a senior to, to cast their eye over it. Um, not forgetting other things, I suppose as well, like you know, any chest pain any palpitations as well might be associated you know uh, with an arrhythmia or a, an ischemic event
1: yeah and it might just be not, not that event over the last week over the last two weeks mm. have you had any of these episodes mm. have you been feeling well um have you got the same exercise tolerance um are you finding it more difficult to um, go about your daily activities mm. um and you know these are more coming in there in the male population who don't want to own up uh, and seek advice over such uh, such health concerns. Um, mm. So uh, if if they if that's your patient in front of you, then you have the opportunity there to, to investigate it, take it further, and, and make a real change mm. uh, to that patient's health. Um, so so yeah, just just to have that presence of mind to co- to mm. consider. the the wider health Mm. of your patient, how long um, have they had symptoms, not just prior to that event, Um, is anything out of the ordinary over the last few weeks that they Mm. ordinarily would just try and pass off, but in relation to a collapse, is that something you can pin down to a a rhythmic response, possibly a uh, cardiac-mediated or Mm. cardiac-driven problem?
0: I suppose with, with all of those, you, you, you're looking at, you know, is there uh, an underlying arrhythmia, something like a Wolf-Parkinson 5, for example, or a heart block that is predisposing my patient, giving them episodes where they are going through uh, an arrhythmia, a tachyarrhythmia, during which they lose their output, therefore they are collapsing. And, you know, therefore are we picking that up and making sure that we do something to prevent that then becoming... Something that really glows onto ultimately what we're worried about is a a VF arrest, something or or a VT coming into something where it is an arrest situation. It's about picking up those sorts of things, or is there an an underlying ischemic process that is causing arrhythmia as well? So it's about picking that up, isn't it?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, Ultimately, a physiological change has occurred Mm. to uh, make that person end up on the floor. And you have got to have uh, a clinical suspicion that this is something sinister. Uh, and have that high level of suspicion Mm. and if you can work through that rule those things out uh, via your thorough history examination investigation and can come up with a very clear reason uh, and uh, back that up with the physiology that may have caused that event then brilliant Mm. absolutely brilliant um, I know that in my clinical work that um, I very rarely can say from the history and examination and investigation um, that I'm absolutely happy that um, something is not of a cardiac mm. origin, um, and in those situations that you have to say to yourself, well, is this something because there's uh, actually. Uh, a little nuance that I've not managed to elicit I've not got mm. enough information there's not enough collateral history um, that's uh, making it difficult for you to put all the pieces together mm. or is this actually something that is more sinister mm. um, you need to go to the specialty you need to go to the, to the, to the senior person because for, for somebody to end up um, on the floor um, you need to be able to identify exactly what has gone off and you, b- you very often can, uh, you very often can get that collateral history, you can get that information, you can get that, that witness that says this is exactly what's happened mm. and that will very much point you in the right direction as to what's happened. Mm. Um, but Due to the uh, nature of emergency care, emergency medicine and life in the emergency department, Um, that information is not always immediately available Mm. Um, and so if you haven't got that information and you can't explain that pathophysiology of exactly what has occurred then you need to hold on to patient and Mm -hmm. investigate it further until Mm -hmm. you can happily say exactly what has gone
0: off. If in doubt senior specialist advice if in doubt. Definitely um, so I mean, we we've sort of we spent a lot of time now talking about the cardiac causes. There are other causes as well, um, and, and there are other red flags as well. And, and, and you know, um, again, you know, the, the nice guidelines point out a few of these, as does our own NICE, um, our own trust, um, our own department guidelines. So, um, what what sort of other red flags are there involved with collapsed Dom?
1: So we're, we're, we're kind of moving on from the more cardiac mediated and identifying via ECG, so if you've got any uh, abnormal ECG obviously you're going to further investigate that, so we'll, mm. we'll kind of park that one for the minute, um, ultimately there are lots of other causes and again your red flags are about identifying the very important mm. ones. Um, so. Um, a an associated headache uh, or headache preceding collapse. Mm. You're gonna be suspicious. Know, gonna put my teeth back in. You're gonna be suspicious about. Um, and what are you worried about there? The ultimately, uh, so ultimately, I know there's uh, there's a big discussion about headaches, and there's another podcast mm. that can be uh, accessed. But um, the, the the main worry is is this uh, a subarachnoid hemorrhage mm. uh, and has that uh, kind of sudden event, mm. caused that change in physiology, that kind of shock response, um, and made the patient collapse, and they will recover, but they won't recover without symptoms. Mm. So, um, did you collapse? Did you have a preceding headache? Um, mm. If you didn't have a preceding headache, have you got a headache now? Mm. Can that be explained by the fall? Have they got any head injury, mm. and external signs of head injury, so did they bang the head? Mm. Um, You know, where they kind of sat in bed at the time or sat on the the settee where there's a low chance of headache Mm. uh, or head injury and they've developed a severe headache upon waking and it's persistent, it's constant, Mm. they don't have a headache history, they don't suffer from migraines, those sorts of um, history pointers that are going to make you more concerned that this is more of a neurological pathology and um more specifically this is a, a mm. subarach.
0: and then that's that I mean we, talk, we talked about it in the in the headache podcast but um, going over it it's, it's no um, bad thing to go over it again that that's the thunderclap headache isn't it that's the maximum onset within very short period yeah, of time within
1: within five minutes it reaches its maximal intensity
0: like being hit on the head
1: exactly a, a common a common description is um, I feel like somebody's hit me over the head mm. with a baseball bat.
0: And as soon as a patient says that, I, I think, Subbarack, I think, I, 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 think a lot of clinicians and, and yourself will be the same, you know.
1: Yeah, classic, classical for that presentation, mm. uh, and if that's uh, coinciding with the presentation of collapse, mm. Um, mm. then then certainly, mm. uh, it's th- it's certainly that that as a. Mm diagnosis until proven otherwise.
0: I think these the patients as well may not recover because there's a bleed on the brain. If it's a significant enough bleed, they may not recover, but also not to be reassured that they, they recover because they, they can recover and well. And, and in our ambulatory area, I've certainly seen people who look very well but they've said those keywords. It was a sudden headache. I look very well, uh, you know. I, it felt like I was hit. I've, then I woke up on the floor. I've scanned them, and they've had a sub, you know, a significant subarach. Yeah.
1: Again, these um these can be in 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 the the younger patient, and I'm not kind talking about the twenties. it can be thirties and forties. Mhm. Normally fitting well, no identifiable risk factors, and then out of the blue, um, they have this event, unexpected, sudden. Um, maximal intensity in a very short period of time um, and they can look well they can have a uh, normal physiological parameters which mm. will be reassuring but yet they'll have this persistent uh, headache that um, is unremitting mm-hmm. um, it's certainly normally um, requiring uh, significant analgesia to try and mm. uh, abate but um, not always have success with that it can be positional, so sitting up, lying down, those sorts of mm. things can either uh, exacerbate or, or certainly, um, temporarily give some relief. Um, and and again, your um your suspicions are going to be raised if if that's the sort of presentation. Mm. But to all intents and purposes, if you were kind of walking around the the department and looking at everybody from the end of the trolley, these people mm. often can look, look very, very well. well. Mm.
0: And they may have features of meningism as well, if, if there's enough meningeal irritation going on as well. Yeah, But, yeah, like you said, uh, deceptively well until you see the CT report. Um, okay, so um, other red flags. So we, we've discussed headache there. So any others? Um,
1: and certainly one of the, the, the big ones from an uh, emergency department perspective is the abdominal pain mm. or, or um, abdominal pain associated with back pain. And mm. um, what we're uh, classically concerned about there is your AAA, so your mm-hmm. um, abdominal aneurysm. Mm-hmm. Um, And uh, again, this is a uh, very significant differential that needs to be considered. Um, And again, you're likely to find that your patients have got signs and symptoms of mm-hmm. this. They are unlikely to look well. Mm. Um. Although in some of the, the again the younger patients they will be compensating and, mm. and, and may um, look better than you would expect, mm. which is not particularly helpful. No. Um. But uh, they they may also have uh, such signs of uh, pallor. Uh, appearance Mm. Um, again persistent abdominal uh, or back pain Mm. Um, needing uh, um, higher-end analgesic options so intravenous morphine Mm. may have altered physiology but again don't be reliant on Mm. having that as a finding with uh, with each of these patients Mm. Um, but but if you have got somebody who's uh, got changing their physiology and the, the parameters of their vital signs then you're probably going to need to act uh, more urgently mm. to, to mm. investigate this. Get senior support, make sure your uh, investigations, and examinations are um, appropriate and focused. Make sure that you're doing things in parallel, you know you don't want to just be running through a history, taking your time with that, running through a, you know an examination, running through your investigations and then mm. you know. Forty minutes down the line, that you that you see, speak to your senior because you're worried about a triple A. a AAA. Mm. You need to be have that high level level of suspic- suspicion. Pick up on that red flag. Mm. Focused uh, history mm. uh, examination, quick review of the investigations that have been done, mm. um, and then uh, and then senior uh, and a more specialised investigation. Mm.
0: Certainly, I'm I'm always very cautious. Uh, with uh, collapse plus back pain and I'm, I'm you know the the pain in the back uh, might be a result of the fall but i'm i'm not going to put it down to that until i'm conv- you know happy uh, certainly was there any pain before you fell in your back or in your tummy um are they known to have a triple a as well i mean increasingly because patients uh, will have had uh, scans that may have incidentally shown they may be known to have a triple a uh, a good look on on whatever database you have in your hospital is very useful in those instances.
1: Yeah, definitely, and uh, I think by uh, means of health promotion and health screening, more and more people are being mm-hmm. uh, made aware um, there is a percentage of patients um, with such a presentation that won't actually make it into the department, mm-hmm. uh, such as the um, pathophysiology of uh, of a uh, of a AAA and a ruptured AAA. Um and which makes it even more important that uh, that you pick up early on these patients because mm. the sooner it's investigated, identified, um, and the the, the specialty uh, teams are involved, um, the more likely that you're going to get a favourable outcome.
0: Okay, so um, other red flags, Dom. Are there any others you n- uh, need to go through? Uh,
1: I think uh, just uh, ones to consider are uh, uh a transient loss of consciousness during exertion. mm uh, and one that we've touched on is the family history of sudden cardiac death mm. um, certainly those are the ones that uh, the NICE guidelines um, pick up mm. clearly and um, whether you've got a new or an explained breathlessness and that should come up with regards to your uh, history mm. may not necessarily be uh, examination features as your patients some point down the line mm. being sat on a trolley or an ambulance trolley for mm period of time so may may um, have recovered back to their normal baseline
0: so as here they're worried about PE potentially as a cause aren't they
1: yeah and, uh, and uh, it's a big one and um, we mustn't underestimate it I think um, possibly uh, because of new treatments identification of PE um, clinicians have become a bit more blasé about the identification of, of uh, a PE because we can identify the sizes and the mm. specific impacts of, of, uh, of a PE mm. um, whereas historically you had to consider uh, kind of the worst and, and, and give a higher level of treatment to, to all patients it is, mm. it is now much more focused and guarded depending on the impact um, that the PE is causing and, and the size of it um, but it uh, it still kills people, uh, mm. and it, uh, it is still a diagnosis that we all should be concerned about mm. and, and certainly um, treat carefully mm. and, and efficiently.
0: So I mean we'll, we'll talk more about uh, PE and the uh, about, about pulmonary embolism in the PE podcast. But I suppose it you know worth keeping in mind there as a as a very serious cause of uh, collapse. Uh, so you know the shortness of breath the pleuritic chest pain have they had a dvt or signs of a dvt you know the well score would come into this at this point as well yeah. i mean we'll, we'll go into more depth about that yeah. um with the p but uh, uh, podcast but i mean it's very important differential isn't it
1: certainly and again um, your you kind of early ecg may mm-hmm. um point you down that road um sooner rather than later you know is there signs of right heart strain um, but not underestimating just the presence of a, of a sinus tachycardia um, being one of the more common features in, in PE mm-hmm. um, and uh, y- you know don't always rely on those clinical signs and symptoms of a DVT but certainly uh, have that work up with well SCORE use mm-hmm. the signs of heart strain um, you know, was there any episodes of chest pain, shortness of breath prior? Mm. How is your patient at rest? But also, you know, you're not wanting to get them up and run them around the department, but you know, (laughs) minimal exertion, is that causing them problems Mm. uh, in the ED? And again, you're going you
0: to be worried. Is there a new oxygen requirement and all those sorts of things? Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> um, so already in the seizure podcast, uh, we talked a lot uh, with Stephen about um, you know the, the uh, about taking a seizure history and trying to identify through the history about the presence of seizure. We talked about that as well in the NICE guidelines as well. I suppose, you know, in the class query records it's there in what was witnessed during the event, and then what happened after it, whether there was or wasn't a post-ictal period.
1: Yeah, both um, the presence or absence of a, of a post-ictal period, um, or a prolonged recovery, mm. um, where they have a reduced GCS, is, is gonna help differentiate your patient, um, but not forgetting, um, in your past medical histories, the history of seizures. Mm. You know, that, in itself, may just be enough to, to, to point you in the right direction. Um, and if you've got a witness of kind of seizure activity, then um, then brilliant, but obviously if there's no witnesses, you haven't got the collateral history, which we've said is so important. Um, then your patient presentation and, uh, and how they appear in front of you is going going to help um, help mm. you further differentiate this to a seizure, or as we've said, um, more away from that seizure mm. presentation.
0: I suppose the the lactate may be raised in these patients on the blood gas but then again there are other causes for a raised lactate as well yeah. so you can't aw- you can't go off that alone can you
1: no not no indeed it's part of building up that that, that bigger picture um, and again what in in the context of the presentation how raised is the lactate can you explain it um, you know from the very presence of uh, of ending up on the floor and you know that, that that little bit of a traumatic event may just be enough to to bring it up anyway mm. Um, or is it a little bit more raised and, and that gives you, you know, a, b- a bit more fuel to your fire that, that that's the case. Um, if you've got a normal lactate, uh, but somebody says, you know, there was, there was witness activity that that normal lactate is not going to rule out the, the possibility mm. that a seizure did occur. Um, as I said, it's just one of those investigations that you're going to look at, um, but you're going to look at within the context of the, the presentation. Um, and, and decide as to whether it's relevant, whether it's appropriate and how well you can explain that, that change, if there is a change.
0: Mm. Uh, and I suppose, uh, you know, through all of this, I mean, uh, you know, we, we live in a student city. Um, uh, you know, with freshers coming up very soon. Uh, there will be quite a few young people coming in uh, with collapse query causes at, you know, two o'clock in the morning, having been in, a, in, in certain uh, establishments, uh, consuming alcohol um uh and possibly other substances as well but but just like with when we t- in the talks in the head injury podcast you know you can't put anything down to that alcohol or anything else until you've ruled out the other more serious stuff can you yeah
1: um it's a it's a common uh trap that is easily fallen into Mm. uh, within an A&E environment because you see your patient relatively soon after you know they've ended up their their, their drinking session or their night out um, and so the effects um, of alcohol are gonna be there for all to see Um, but the easiest advice to go um, and that is commonly banded about is that. that nobody's drunk until they've got the hangover the next day, okay. um, so essentially in simple terms is you disregard mm. the alcohol, you make sure you consider all other possible mm. um, explanations or, or possible dis- differentials for, for that um, presentation and then if you've exhausted everything else uh, and you're happy that uh, the presentation uh, doesn't fit in with any other features, your patient's recovering; <laughs> they're able to give you that history that they've been out drinking. That you know, this is what they've done. Then, then you're on you know more more, more firmer ground. Mm. Um, but that recovery is very important, mm. um, and certainly within an A and E uh, time frame, you should uh, get to see uh, an improvement in in the condition. So if somebody's persistently um, reduced GCS. Um, despite um, all attempts to uh, possibly reverse the effects of alcohol um, mm. then we need to have considered every other possible cause of a young person collapse mm. and inves- investigate that appropriately before mm. we go labeling mm. this as anything other.
0: Mm. As for well, you know other things that you know in- in- to go along with the other things we've already mentioned about you know think about you know hypoglycemia as well as an important uh, cause DKA, you know, dka you know other things that, that that might have been going on as well and, and that all comes part of your, your, your thorough a to e assessment you know your, your parallel assessment as, you, as you're seeing your patient in a time critical manner
1: yeah and again part of um, part of an, an initial uh, review of a patient whether that be in our initial assessment area Certainly, the the uh, paramedic and uh, ambulance staff um, will consider uh, blood sugar, simple measures, blood sugars, mm. saturations, heart mm. vital signs, um, mm. and an ECG, and that's um, it's either going to reassure you or it's going to make you um act uh, further to try and uncover mm. what, what may be going off. Mm.
0: And. Um, so uh you know the the things that that uh you know we've been uh, talking about so far and um you know all quite potentially quite serious uh, causes of uh, of collapse that could have uh, you know serious repercussions um you know i think um you know, my advice to anybody listening to this is going to soon be a, a newly qualified doctor walking in and and you've got a, a room full of people you know uh our oh, doc he was just drunk he was just drunk you know to have the confidence to go you know to put that to one side and go okay but can we just rule out some other things first before we put it down to that
1: yeah and some of these things are, are, are easily done um, and, uh, and as i say you would expect uh, a recovery within the time frame mm. that, that patients spend within a and E. so uh, and if you think about the time frame that you come to see mm. these patients it may be two three four hours down the line mm. um there may be other things that are reassuring for you, there may be other things that are concerning and Mm. it's it's having that, as I said, that inner Sherlock uh, and considering all the wider differentials and then through your thorough history, examination, investigation you narrow down those differentials, you rule out the more sinister and you come up with a conclusion uh, of the only thing that's left that leads to a diagnosis of uh, alcohol intoxication. (laughs) which if you're going to jump straight on is very risky business. Mm. Um, as we said that young people um, can have um, sinister problems mm. uh, and it, it's not always the the older person with the multiple comorbidities that, mm. the, that are the people that are at risk of these um, potential more, more sinister Mm. Occurrences.
0: So I mean, um, every trust and every department will have their own different guidelines. I think for this, and, and, and wherever you are, it's always worth um, checking those out first. But some certainly something that that I found uh, useful as a risk stratification score is the uh, the San Francisco uh, San Francisco Syncope Rules, uh, which are available on on MedCalc and other various websites. We'll we'll put a, a link up on on Facebook and Twitter um, to to allow you to see what it is. Um, But but this is essentially, uh, you know, covers the high risk criteria for patients presenting with syncope, um, a five-step process. Uh, Do you want to go through that, Dom?
1: Yeah, essentially it's uh, identifying the the low-risk patient you can discharge from ED um, versus identifying somebody who may be at higher risk uh, and need admission for further investigation or monitoring to to rule out a more sinister cause um, and as you said it's uh, there, there are five uh, components to this, uh, have they got a history of um, CCF, mm-hmm. so have they got a heart failure history, have they got a hematocrit um, that's less than 30% uh, we're, we're considering uh, concealed uh, bleeding, um, mm-hmm. more likely uh, a, a GI bleed that's not uh, presenting itself in an uh, easily identifiable manner. Is there an abnormal ECG? Is there any history of uh, shortness of breath? So when we're thinking about the, the PE patient, you know, um, I've, my, my breathing, my exercise tolerance has decreased, you know, I'm finding mm-hmm. it more difficult to breathe, or I was very well, I suddenly became short of breath mm-hmm. and I woke up on the floor. Mm. And that's that's enough to warrant further investigation. And is there any history of hypotension? Um, And that's at triage. So when you first, the first set of observations that were done on arrival to ED um, are uh, possibly going to be the first um, set of Mm. uh, observations they've had. However, if that person has been brought in by ambulance, then you need to consider what the ambulance crew's um, initial recordings were. So if you've got a uh, blood pressure of less than 90 um, at any time with a, uh, a health professional, then you're going to be concerned. So if you answer uh, yes to any of those questions, that makes you a, a high-risk group, um, and you're going to have to answer yes to one of those questions, mm-hmm. uh, and that will be enough that we're we'll, um, consideration for further investigations and certainly a period of observation that's away from the emergency department. Um. Otherwise, uh, if you are and if you answer no, um, and you have to answer no to all of those questions, mm-hmm. uh, then you are uh, risk stratified into a low risk group, which then will rule out as we've been trying to uh, get across to the the more kind of sinister cases, mm-hmm. um, and enable you to hopefully appropriate advise um, and safety net your patient uh, and discharge him from the mm-hmm. ED.
0: And rather handily, it, um, they spell CHESS, so that's the, the acronym I use, so uh, Congestive Heart Failure, Hematocrit, ECG, Shortness of Breath, Systolic Below 90, CHESS, so that's how I remember it.
1: I don't know how you do it, uh, JT, uh, fountain of knowledge.
0: Oh, uh, well, you know, I'm happy to share. Uh, so these are our, you know, these are our very s- more severe, serious causes that we found about. Mercifully not every collapse is so, so serious um, and there are more benign causes and, and we'll just go over those now as, as, as we're getting towards wrapping up. Um, I suppose those ones that I'm thinking about, uh, two two in particular, uh, one is um, a, a very um, situation based syncope, so uh, the one that comes to mind immediately is like a, a micturation syncope, you know, I had a full bladder, uh, I went to the, the the, the toilet and as I was urinating, passed out. It's happened before, you know, this is what's happened. And then the other one is is, is the vasovagal um syncope as well. Um uh, should we just talk a bit a bit about those now?
1: Sure, and uh, and we've spoken to some of our consultant colleagues over um over the years. And vasovagal is one of those risky mm. diagnoses uh that you will of exclusion really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah definitely. So uh, what, we, what we're trying to get across is you consider the more sinister, uh, more important causes, work your way through them, and then if you can uh, put together the features of a vasovagal event um, and um, they fit in with your patient presentation uh, and what you've managed to get from a history uh, perspective, then, then that's a very, very straightforward diagnosis to make, but it can only be made once you've gone through the, the proper rigours of, of a fuller assessment and ultimately we're looking for the, the three P's that make up a a vehicle uh, presentation so is there a prodrome, is, it, uh, is there a postural element um, or has it been provoked um, and again it can be kind of situational mm. stresses. So we're talking about prodrome where were they feeling hot made mm. did they feel as though they were going to faint? Mm. Um, nauseated. Uh, yeah. yeah, were they yeah, had they had they been sick, um mm. as as a, a pre sinkable feature. Um and and those may seem strange to, to admit to, those are a, a reassuring findings in, in your history. So there was no pain, um no headache, chest pain, no shortness of breath, but they felt hot, felt clammy, felt as though they were going to collapse, felt nauseated or indeed were sick and then ended up on the floor um, with a with a good recovery uh, then everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as you haven't got those uh, uh, comorbidity features um, or the investigation findings that would um, trigger the San Francisco syncope rule um, then uh, your basically going to be on a, a, a sure footing to be able to discharge our patient again with appropriate advice and safety netting
0: yeah so I suppose yeah I mean that that's where we're getting towards maybe whether the patient could go home and and uh, obviously this would involve senior um, discussion anyway um, but I suppose you know you're looking San Francisco rules haven't been triggered your local guidelines as well I mean you know always listen to those as well and make sure you go following those as well uh, you've not found anything unusual in ECG, normal examination as well. I'd also point in at this point uh, the, the benefit of a lying and standing blood pressure as well. I think that's very crucial, isn't it?
1: Yeah, so again, it comes into the, the, the three P's. And again, if, is there a postural drop? Uh, you're looking for a difference of uh, 20 millimeters of mercury, um, uh, but um, you, your patient is more likely to be symptomatic so have mm. they got that drop mm. do they feel unwell uh, going from a, a, a lying position to a standing position mm. um, do they need support you know um, or have they got a drop but they're not not unwell mm. and is this something that can be safely followed up in in, more mm. in a community environment
0: and uh, you know just point for myself uh, about making a, you know doing a lying and standing blood pressure you clearly document you want you know from lying down to 1 minute 3 minutes 5 minutes at those time periods as well as recording the heart rate as well uh, and you know make if you're not doing it yourself and, and where can support your nursing colleagues do it yourself uh, but if you can't you know clearly document that this is what you would like them to do so you've you've got a good Picture of, of the of uh, the patient's um, if there is any postural change with the patient.
1: Yep, definitely. Uh, and you, you may find that uh, the more experienced nursing staff um, uh, uh, just do that as a as a natural. But um, it's best to be explicit in what mm. you mean when you you're requesting a a postural blood pressure a measurement of postural blood mm. pressure. Um, you know, we're certainly experiencing a high turnover of (laughs) nursing staff, and it's certainly not always, um, these little snippets are not always passed on, but uh, that's the uh, official way Mm -hmm. of uh, of
0: recording that. And uh, and you've mentioned it as well, a a very good safety netting, so, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning, you've got uh, an elderly lady who lives alone, uh, won't be seen until the morning, you think she may have just had a, a simple trip or something... Uh, nobody's going to check up on her for a while you know she's not going home is she yeah well,
1: I mean we're doing the, we're doing things sensibly uh, and certainly the time of day or night uh, may over override um, your, your inclination to, to discharge somebody um, due to those uh, social reasons um, it may be access uh, you know have they got the, the, the key is there somebody at home When's the next carer mm. visiting? Mm. Um, all all those sorts of features may a- actually override your 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 clinical decision on, on the management of a patient. It may mean that just for a short duration, you're going to bring that patient in um, just to ensure their, their 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 safety and their safe transfer back to the, to their own environment. Mm. Um, and obviously, if uh, if we're talking about uh, nursing home residents or residential care residents, then certainly communication with the care establishment that, that they live in, and what the investigations and findings were, mm. um, just to uh, uh, and kind of discharge instructions to, to reassure the the care staff that may be involved in looking after the patient in uh, in the long term. Mm. Uh, communication with uh, community care teams uh, will make sure that your your, your patient gets the, the right follow up, uh, and that everybody's aware of the investigations and and the reasons for your decision.
0: Mm and um you know i suppose part of that as well and 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 we've talked a bit about this as well just just remembering that um certain causes of collapse um have to be notifiable to the dvla we already mentioned this in the in the seizure podcast as well but but some you know particular cardiac causes especially if your patient is of an occupation where they have to drive are notifiable and and advice not to drive has to be given and, and explicitly documented as well.
1: Uh, definitely and that's no different to, to the advice that's been given from a seizure perspective. Mm. Um, there is good guidance available um, via the DVLA mm. uh, website and certainly... Um, the, the and are we'll put a link to on that on yeah, Twitter and Facebook as definitely, well. Definitely because that's, uh, they, they, they do get changed and they are updated um, and there are little nuances to each presentation. Uh, and as I said earlier, um, the implications of of what you're proposing as a as a diagnosis can mm-hmm. have wider ramifications, and and, uh, and we we don't want to be causing any further problems or harm. So certainly, uh, having a, a regular check on on these regulations um, would be prudent to keep your practice up to date and make sure that that, that everybody's staying safe.
0: That was the Take Orally Collapse Query Course podcast. Be sure to look out for more podcasts coming from us in the near future. In the meanwhile, you can find links to the information mentioned within this episode on both our Twitter and Facebook pages, where you can contact us if you have any requests about uh, topics to cover in the future. For more information on education and research opportunities within emergency medicine, acute medicine and major trauma, you can check out NUH Dream on both Twitter and Facebook.